I'm Brian McPherson, and this is the Athena Health Podcast. We're producing this podcast to help clinicians and staff better utilize Athena One so that Athena One can best support your patient care. I'm joined today by Paul Bryant, who has been the Chief Product Officer at Athena Health since 2019. Paul oversees all software development here at Athena Health. And Paul joins us today to preview the Spring 2023 release, a series of enhancements that will appear in Athena One during the week of March 20th. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Uh, This is actually my first Athena Health podcast. So with this being your first time joining us, uh, I wanted to start at a broad level first. So like, what is your view of the EHR generally and its role in patient care? You know, the EHR is, is kind of a unique piece of software. Uh, if you go back in the history of uh, EHR and look at what, what's happened, um, before the government mandated the adoption of the EHR, uh, it really wasn't adopted very significantly, you know, somewhere less than 10% uh, adoption. And as far as I know, it's probably the only piece of software that the government has required uh, adoption of. You know, most industries have adopted software on their own uh, to make things more efficient and more effective. Uh, and in healthcare, it's no, no exception. We've adopted practice management systems, pharmacy systems, lab systems, uh, hospital information systems. Um, and all those things were voluntarily adopted by the healthcare system. We even have you know, robots that help do a laparoscopic surgery. Um, but the EHR was not one of them. And uh, when the government mandated it through meaningful use in ARA, uh, we all had to adopt EHRs, and, and, and we all did. And I think what that means is that they were adopted at a time when they weren't quite ready yet, because uh, had they been ready, people would have adopted them. And we've been playing a little bit of catch up to make them uh, really realize their full potential. And you know, in Athena, we've made a, a, a lot of progress. We still have uh, some some work to do uh, to continue to, to kind of bring the EHR to the full potential to be a delightful tool uh, that physicians love and helps them deliver the best possible care. So your history with healthcare software goes back even before that that government-mandated adoption of EHRs, right? Oh, unfortunately, way, way before that, even before the widespread adoption of practice management systems. So uh, I actually wrote one of the earliest practice management systems for small physician practices using a personal computer back when the Apple II was the personal computer of choice. Uh, so that goes way back in the way back days. Um, and uh, not a lot of uh, high school kids write practice management systems. So it's kind of a strange, uh, strange situation and a great opportunity that kind of got me started in this in this space. So let's talk now about Athena One. So for those listeners who are relatively new to the Athena Health Network, even the concept of a release might be unfamiliar to them. So let's start there. Sort of, Can you speak to why we batch our major functionality enhancements into these spring, summer and fall releases the way we do? Yeah, it's actually really interesting. I think people that are familiar with software in, you know, in, in old school software, which unfortunately is most of healthcare software, they're familiar with releases that are not the same as Athena releases. So they're familiar with, hey, here's the thing, it's version five and we have to install it. And when we install it, we have to test it for a long time and it breaks a bunch of stuff and it's a real painful process. And we hope that they only happen like once every couple of years. Um, Athena software is very different. It's uh, what they call SaaS, software as a service, which means that we manage the software. And the way we build the software is that we continuously make changes to it, and we mostly continuously put those changes into production. So every two weeks, we upgrade the software. Now, if we changed your software every two weeks underneath you, you would not be very happy. So when we make changes that people would notice and are non-obvious, we hide them and we hide them behind what we call a release toggle. Um, And then uh, once every four months in the spring, summer, and fall releases, we simply unhide them. So 
that has a bunch of really, really cool ramifications. First of all, the software is continuously being updated. So the one thing that we don't do during release week is change any software. We actually don't release software during release week. It's the only week we don't release software. Um, and it means that we can test our software you know, every two weeks. If you know, we have a side effect of something, we know quickly and we, we, we rectify it. And we have a lot of processes to make sure that doesn't get into production. Um, and then we can do beta tests at a scale that I have never seen before in my career. Um, you know, we have 500, 1,000 customers running betas before the releases so that when we unveil a feature, it's been through testing across the Athena network. And that's why there aren't a lot of what we call fallout problems with these releases, i.e. it keeps working. Now, it might change, and sometimes change requires uh, retraining or, or reconfiguration, uh, and hopefully we make them as obvious as we possibly can. Um, but what it doesn't do is create a lot of testing burden or uh, or defect burden on our customers. So one of the biggest enhancements to Athena One this spring isn't actually in Athena One. It's the launch of the Athena Patient app, which we talked about in our last episode, which patients can download in the App Store, Google Play. And the app is actually already available in those places now um, to download. But because we've been testing the app, like you're describing with a small group of providers, patients can't yet connect with any provider on the network. They'll only be able to connect with any provider on the network as of the spring 2023 release. Um, how do you view that app fitting into the existing ways that patients and providers are engaging um, about patient healthcare? Well, if you go back to, to, to when I joined Athena in, in, in 2019, um, one of the things I was struck by was the fact that Athena wasn't making what I considered to be the necessary investments around patient engagement. We didn't have an app. Um, you know, iOS and Android apps were not a new concept in 2019. And, you know, what we found as we released our mobile app for physicians is that we had lots and lots of patients downloading the mobile app for physicians saying, well, of course, Athena must have a, a, a mobile app. Um, obviously, this must be it. And it, and it wasn't it. Uh, it doesn't do great things for your, for your reviews, it turns out. Um, and so we embarked on the process of, of, of building an app and also simultaneously uh, refreshing our portal and really bringing it to a modern uh, portal architecture. So um, I think that digital engagement with patients is one of the most important things that we can do. If you, if you look at, you know, patients are consumers and they live in the rest of the U.S. economy and, you know, just about everything is is digital. There's, there, there, there are options for it. Now, you know, you can still do it the old fashioned way, but, you know, only in healthcare is the default mode, you know, phone calls and faxes and, you know, paper statements, paper checks like that just isn't that way anywhere else in the US economy. So it really is about making meeting patients where they are and uh, helping them uh, engage with healthcare in the most convenient manner possible. Um, if you look at you know, patients' perceptions of healthcare providers and even what, what it means to be a high quality healthcare provider, I think as healthcare providers, everyone would like to say, oh, it's about the quality of care I provide, but that's really hard for patients to judge. And instead, oftentimes, their satisfaction with, with you as a provider is about how easy is it to engage with your practice? How easy is the schedule appointments? How on time is, is, is the appointment? How nice is the receptionist? Um, and those things all matter as you're marketing your practice. Uh, and, uh, and these apps uh, will very much help, uh, help that process. So is there anything clinicians or staff need to do to prepare for the app to be available for their patients or to activate it in any way? I mean, the cool thing is the answer is no. Um, the apps are in the App Store. Um, come the March, uh, the spring release, rather, uh, we will uh, enable it so your patients can use it. We will have enablement materials so that if you'd like to educate your patients about it, since we haven't had an app forever, 
patients aren't going to be like, oh, yes, now's the time the app is going to be available. So it would be nice to let people know that there is an app. And so we'll have some engagement materials and little like a little poster you could put at the uh, at the reception desk. Um, and uh, just to, to let patients know that there's an app available, we'll do some outbound outreach to patients as well as part of our normal communications to say, hey, you know, you, you can here's the app, here's a link, uh, download it. Um, so it, it you know it isn't uh, it isn't a requirement for anything. It's uh, it's just another way of of engaging uh, with a practice. So it's uh, it, it is a nice option. But I think you know, especially patients that frequent um, uh, frequent a provider, I think they'll, they'll they'll benefit a lot from it. The other cool thing to note about the app is that it is Athena wide. Uh, so when a pr patient logs in, they will see all the providers that are using Athena in one place. So they don't have to log in and log back in and and look at different things like they do with the portal. Uh, it will it will provide a kind of comprehensive integrated view for their patients. So another um, patient engagement tool that I know you're really excited about is the enhanced self check in that we initially released back in the um, back in the fall 2022 release. Um, and I know your teams are continuing to build out that functionality. Um, what are the what are the biggest advantages of practices adopting self-check-in? You know, self-check-in, I think, is, is one of the keys to practice efficiency and patient satisfaction and good revenue cycle. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful tool. So it allows patients to check in before they show up in the office or when they show up in the office. Um, and it allows patients to upload their insurance information. Uh, we do a, we're doing a cool thing as of the March release where we'll actually take that scanned image of the insurance card we will OCR it, we'll run it against artificial intelligence, and we'll pick the Athena insurance package uh, so that you don't have to, so it saves you time. And, and frankly, uh, our AI will hopefully do it uh, better than, uh, than the, the human would do it, since the insur Athena insurance packages aren't the most intuitive things in the history of mankind. Um, in addition, if there's a copay involved with the, the, the visit, we will give the patient an opportunity to pay that so your staff doesn't have to worry about collecting copays uh, in advance. And ultimately, we'll give the patients the ability to uh, enter screening questions, enter their histories, and have that seamlessly flow into the encounter so that, you know, rather than having to reconcile either a piece of paper and the computer or a PDF, if you're using a, an app like Freesia and a, a form in Athena, the data will already be there and it will just say, hey, patient put this in and the provider can go through and kind of accept it or annotate it or, or amend it as they clarify things with, with a patient. So it just has a, it's an incredible unlock in terms of, of efficiency um, and effectiveness. And, and it's also, you know, the patient shows up kind of like right at their appointment time, which I'm notoriously for doing for my providers. And I'm sorry, I apologize to those of you who take care of me, um, is, you know, they don't walk in and then get, you know, 15 minutes of forms to fill out. They can do it in advance. So uh, the, the schedule goes better. So in terms of scheduling, I know you have teams working to improve the way office staff are scheduling appointments. Um, in the spring 2023 release, we're unveiling a new schedule builder page to make it easier to build schedule templates and see ahead of time, preview how they interact with another, one another. Um, we're also already actively beta testing a new appointment schedule calendar uh, to come out broadly later this year. Sort of what is your vision for the appointment scheduling experience um, for office staff? Well, let's talk about the scheduling experiences today. So today it's a kind of go back to the Wayback Machine. Uh, if you want to see how appointment schedules or schedules in general worked in the early versions of web software, look at our appointment schedule. Like it's like going back to 2005. Um, so the, the most important thing is, hey, you know, thinking about the way web scheduling might work uh, in general has evolved a little bit since 2005. And uh, we want to bring a modern experience to our users. So first and foremost, it's Let's have the calendars work the way we expect calendars to work. We deal with calendars a lot 
uh, in software and uh, let's have a modern experience. That's first and foremost. Um, you know, secondly, there's a bunch of workflows, different ways of working in terms of scheduling an appointment. For example, you might want to pick a patient and then go find an appointment for them, or you might want to find an appointment slot and then pick a patient. Uh, and we're enabling those options uh, as well. So, you know, the, the key is make it as delightful as we possibly can uh, for our users. Uh, enable self-scheduling where possible, where patients can schedule themselves on, on, on the web. Um, and, you know, ultimately, which is not happening this, this year, we want to provide some analytics around scheduling so that you can help um, optimize your schedule because ultimately the schedule is the recipe for everything in the practice. And, uh, and with this new technology, we'll be able to start doing that. So let's pivot now to clinical workflows. Um, so in consultation with the Clinical Advisory Board, which is a group of clinicians and staff from across the country, um, across the Athena Health Network, who have experience with and strong opinions about Athena One, um, our teams are working with them to reduce administrative burnout for providers wherever we can. Um, while improving patient care. One of those updates coming in the spring 2023 release is a new dashboard to allow practices to customize the questions that clinicians see when they enter orders for surgeries or procedures. Um, what kind of feedback drove this change? Um, well, to be honest, it was the feedback of, oh my God, this is terrible. Um, you know, we have these things called ask at order entry questions or AOE, which is not a great acronym, um, because generally it means ambulatory order entry. But, um, but in, in Athena land, it means ask at order entry. Um, and the questions were, there were all of them, and they were in kind of no particular order. So um, that's not a very great user experience. And, and you know, a lot of these questions are, are really important, but it'd be really nice to be able to focus them and just have the important ones show up and not all the other ones. Um, so it was, you know, it's been pretty universal feedback. Uh, it was a, you know, a bit of a bigger change in terms of it just took us a while to, 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 to make the change. And it's a pretty fundamental change to the software. But uh, we're super excited about it. Um, I'm hopeful that all of our clients will take advantage of it and really create nice, tight sets of questions that are ordered in a logical way uh, so that providers can quickly answer them and, and move on. So configurability generally, like this is one opportunity to customize and configure. Sort of how important to you is configurability um, in the work your teams are doing on clinical workflows? Especially, I would imagine there's kind of a balance to strike here is that the more configuration that we put into Athena One, the more work administrators have to do to set up the configurations to like to do the things to make sure it's customized appropriately. But then I would imagine our hope is that ultimately the work for clinicians ends up being that much more efficient. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, th th this is a balance. And, you know, there have been attempts at, at EMRs that were essentially like toolkits, like, hey, here's a toolkit, go build your EMR for yourself. Um, and that's noble, but not particularly uh, helpful or successful. Uh, Athena has historically taken kind of the opposite approach, which is, hey, this is the one-size-fits-all EMR for everybody. And, you know, like most one-size-fits-all things, it kind of sort of works, but doesn't really work. We believe that in order to really delight physicians and unlock the true potential of the EMR is that we do need to have the EMR work the way physicians think. And, you know, I think we all know that physicians don't all think the same way, especially across specialties. So one of the big things that we're doing to help um, bridge this gap between kind of here's a toolkit, build your own, and one size fits all is to really inter introduce the first class notion of specialty into the system. So that given a specialty, we will ultimately pre-configure the system for that specialty. Like, you know, generally speaking, if we take a bunch of orthopedists and we take a bunch of endocrinologists and we take a bunch of family medicine uh, physicians, they're going to want those systems set up differently and, 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 and reasonably similarly. Um, 
And so if we can start with, let's start with the kind of the best practice or gold standard type configuration for say orthopedics, if you're an orthopedist, and then allow you to tweak around the edges, that's a lot better than saying, hey, here's a you know, generic EMR, please go configure it. And you'll do 90% of the work you'll do is the same work that every other orthopedist in the country would do. Um, so we think we've got a good path ahead to make it both really tailored and really work the way physicians think without having to put a huge configuration and administration burden on our clients. Now, time will tell, we're, we're, we're not there yet. We're, we're experimenting with a few specialties, orthopedics being one of them, uh, to really see how this works. Um, so stay tuned on that. So some of the other features in the spring 2023 release are sort of more specific features, like enabling clinicians to remove orders from order sets at the point of care, um, enabling administrators to better group clinicians with delegates who can transfer orders on their behalf rather than doing it clinician by clinician. Sort of what sort of feedback have we heard about those kinds of things? What are the goals with those types of features? I mean, these are very much examples of just make the EMR easier to deal with. Um, you know, if you look at the order sets, the way they were, order sets were like, hey, these are the orders and you click the order set button and the orders are on the patient. Well, in many cases, you like to have an order set that's got a bunch of kind of, I'll call them discretionary orders or, you know, orders that you're not going to want to order on every single patient, but you like to have them there because they, they should be easy. And so what clinicians would do, which always made me nervous when I saw it is, you know, click the order set, add a whole bunch of orders to the patient and then delete the ones you don't want. Um, you know, most clinicians get that right, but A, it's kind of a pain and B, it's kind of dangerous because if you forget to, if you forget to delete one and actually send it, then the patient gets an order that, that you didn't intend. Um, so we've reworked order sets to make them much more uh, flexible so that you have an order set and you can very quickly now go through and say, hey, these things are, are optional orders, so they're not even pre-checked. And you can check them if it makes sense for the patient, uh, or you can uncheck something if it, if it doesn't before you put them on the patient. So hopefully that's a more delightful and easy experience. We cleaned up the UI and all that stuff as well. Um, and then in terms of delegates, you know, it was just a real pain to manage delegates. And, and, and doctors, like you had to manage your delegates if you were a doctor. And Honestly, that's not something that we'd like our doctors to be doing. I mean, you're certainly welcome to, but caring for patients is kind of what doctors should be doing. You know, deciding who my uh, my uh, you know mid-level is at this point in time, it's probably not one of them. Um, so we really want to make sure that, that, that others can manage that, which we can do, and, and, and we can do it kind of in, in, in batch. So, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, hey, here is a mid-level that works in this office, and in this office there are 10 physicians. So rather than having each physician give that person a delegate, we can just say, hey, this group of people get this delegate. So, you know, it sounds kind of like, okay, you know, probably not, not solving world hunger, but making the system incrementally easier to use so there's just less, frankly, unnecessary work. I mean, let's, the whole idea of having computers is that it should reduce work. Uh, sometimes in the process of reducing work, we create more work, and we're working through making the more work go away. So moving to the billing side, several of the most impactful features in this release revolve around automation. You already mentioned one of them earlier in our conversation um, in terms of the ability for Athena One now to automatically select the correct insurance package from a scanned ID card as part of our enhanced self-check-in workflow. Um, and you mentioned a little bit about the AI that that will drive that. But I know, you know, a lot of people talk about AI these days, and also AI is a little opaque and mysterious to a lot of people. Um, that are not in software, sort of what what went into making that happen um, and sort of driving the accuracy that'll, you know, in theory, you know, obviously our hope and what we've seen in testing is that it's going to be more accurate than manual selection of those insurance packages. I mean, frankly, it, it, it started with a, a pretty simple observation that if you think about the front desk workflow and you think about the process of going from insurance card to insurance package, there is no additional information other than what's on the insurance card. 
And we ask the front desk staff, who've got plenty of other things to do, to, to somehow do this magical transformation from what's on the insurance card to insurance package without any more information. Like, like it's not like they have some special like decoder ring that makes that, that, that occur. Uh, and they get it wrong sometimes because it's really not intuitive uh, because the insurance packages within Athena aren't as one-to-one -one mapped to what an insurance company would call a, a, an insurance plan. Um, and so the, the real question is, so why are we making the poor front desk staff do this? I mean, that, that's really what drove it. It's like, like, wait a minute, we have all the information. If we have a scan of the card. We now have all the information that exists in the world to go do this. Why not do this automatically? Now, you know, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to actually do it. It was uh, quite an engineering effort to, uh, you know, we had to build the OCR stuff. That, that, that isn't that rocket science. But getting the AI trained to be able to take the, you know, take a random insurance card and map it into an Athena insurance, insurance package um, took some took some doing. It took a lot of uh, a lot of training data, which would, fortunately we have because we have everyone, all the humans doing it. Um, and then of course humans make errors, uh, which causes all kinds of pro problems downstream. And so we had to actually get the the errors out of our training data, otherwise we would have trained the AI to make errors. Um, so we had to get that work. So we've got that going. Um, we don't have it yet at the front desk, but we will be adding it to the front desk uh, this year. Uh, and uh, hopefully it will just, again, let's have the computers do the work. Uh, humans don't need to do it. Let's, let's have them do it. So that's, that's the ultimate goal here. So another big area where we're going to see some automation is the new visit and claim update page. So practices who have been with Athena One for a long time have heard us talk before about the visit, this idea of this saved copy of encounter and charge information associated with each claim, like keeping that kind of together in the system. So how is this new page going to be able to leverage that and bring in more automation into sort of claim editing and resubmission, which is has been a like pretty labor-intensive process in the past. Yeah, and this kind of gets gets into the the, the gory details of what's under the covers of, of software. And um, you know, the, the folks that originally built Athena made a lot of really brilliant decisions uh, and created a, a real transformational product that, that we all know and love. Uh, they did, however, make a few errors, as as you always do when you build a piece of software. And one of those errors was basically the notion that the claim was the thing. So when you had an encounter, they would kind of, it was, the, the claim was the, the, the data element that we, that we sent off. And there was no logical separation from the data that was put in around quote unquote the visit or the encounter and the claim. And that had all sorts of, created all sorts of weird edge case problems around series billing, around UB, UB claims, uh, around editing claims and just caused a lot of the things that I think has frustrated our user community for a long time. And it's like, it was the result of that one architectural decision, which is kind of, you know, hidden from everybody. And so we've been working for many years now, actually, to undo that architectural decision and to separate the notion of the data that's been entered around the encounter for billing and the claims. Um, sounds simple, but it's one of those kind of fundamental things, uh, architectural things that you, uh, that you have to work through. So we've finally been able to do that. And now we're starting to build the capabilities that we couldn't build before uh, because of, of that, that problem. And one of them is to make it a lot easier to run rules uh, against that visit information before there is a claim and provide guidance to people who are editing claims so that uh, you don't have to wait for the claim to be created, the rules to be generated, and then some batch process to occur to send you back something in some hold queue. You can just take care of it while you're thinking about it. Um, and there's many, many more things that we're able to do uh, as a result of this. So um, a lot of those kind of niggly, you know, not, you know, core happy path kind of problems, but 
problems with edge cases, problems with rejected claims, problems with, with certain types of, of billing scenarios, we can now tackle because of uh, the visit. So we've covered a lot here. Um, is there anything else you want to highlight um, in terms of the spring 2023 release? What's coming later this year? Anything like that that we haven't that we haven't touched on? You know, um, I think we've covered covered a ton. We you know we continue to make uh, lots and lots of progress around making the EMR delightful for physicians, uh, reducing unnecessary administrative work, expanding the capabilities of the uh, amount of work that, that we do on the we do side. Uh, we didn't talk a lot about uh, the work we're doing around uh, inbox for providers. Uh, that's not provider's favorite part of the software, and we're making that uh, easier to, to deal with for providers. We're working on you know, getting stuff out of the inbox so it doesn't have to be dealt with at all, my favorite kind of thing. And we're doing a similar thing with work lists uh, for billing and admin staff to make those uh, easier to manage, easier to deal with, and just easier to get You know what is a place where a lot of work gets done. Uh, done. So um, please uh, you know, keep the cards and letters coming. Uh, we very much spend a lot of time around the voice of the customer feedback and the ideas in the user community uh, and the votes that get applied to those things. It, it drives a lot of our roadmap. Uh, as we publish the roadmaps, as we do four times or three times a year every four months, uh, please look at that, read it, pay special attention to what's on the right side of the page, which are the things that we haven't yet really gotten, gotten going with. If you see anything on there, you're like, why in the heck would you go do that? Please let us know. If you see things that you really think are important and are not on that roadmap, please let us know because ultimately we want to make the software as, as, as awesome as it possibly can. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time and we're excited to see all these updates go live in Athena One later this month. Thank you so much. You can see many of the enhancements we discussed when the spring 2023 release goes live for your organization on March 22nd, 23rd, or 24th. You'll see notifications in Athena One that let you know exactly which day you can expect to see the release. We stagger the release over three days to ensure that none of the enhancements cause any disruption to your patient care while the release is taking place. Because Athena One is a cloud-based software, you don't need to take any manual installation steps to see the enhancements in the release. You may, however, need to take steps to customize certain features to fully benefit from them, such as on the Customize Order Questions page, for example. For more information on the Spring 2023 release, visit the release centers on the Success Community. If you have suggestions for features we could include in future releases, or want to vote on suggestions others have made, be sure to check out the ideas space on the success community. Here's what else you should know this month. With over 350 partners across 62 capabilities and 60 specialties, the Athena Health Marketplace enables you to curate your Athena Health experience under one platform based on your specific business needs. Over 70% of Athena Health customers use one or more Marketplace partners. Go to marketplace.athenahealth.com and filter by specialty or capability to find solutions to support your business, integrating seamlessly, empowering the most open, scalable platform in healthcare. Research has shown strong correlation between training on an EHR and satisfaction on an EHR. So if you want to be more proficient in Athena One, be sure to check out training opportunities available, ranging from virtual classrooms to one-on-one -on -one clinical coaching. Visit the Success Community and click the Training tab at the top of the page to learn more. Do you want to help us grow the Athena Health Network by sharing your experience and expertise with your peers? We encourage you to inquire about the Client Advocacy Program by talking to your Customer Success Manager or by emailing clientadvocacyprograms, all one word, at athenahealth.com. Join us March 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern for a webinar in which Athena Health's Government Affairs team will talk through the need for long-term substantive payment reforms in a broken Medicare payment system. Check out the events page on the Success Community for the link. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tell your colleagues to check us out as well. The podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can let us know what you think by email at podcast at athenahealth.com, especially if you have any topics you would like us to cover to better support the way you use Athena One. We're working to create a thriving ecosystem that delivers accessible, high-quality, and sustainable healthcare for all, and we'll talk to you again soon.